All right, thanks everybody for tuning in to the fourth inning here uh, on Friday, May 15th. Warren Shore here with Ryan Silva. Good stuff planned today. We're going to uh, get into our game of the week, and that is the 1998 Bulls-Pacers game, uh, Eastern Conference Finals Game 7. So we'll touch on that. We'll touch on some of the last stand stuff that i surprised that they've left out. Um, and also, uh, we have uh, baseball. Blake Snell's been in some hot water, so we'll touch on that. Some sports are back this weekend. Ryan's got a grab bag at the end. Uh, and stuff along that. Don't know when we're going to be back on Talk Radio 1190. Still waiting. I think it's when iHeart uh, lifts up the essential personnel. Um, uh, thing of only essential personnel being allowed to work in the building. So uh, that is what we wait for. But Ryan, since Monday. Uh, oh, I got a couple of things to start first. But uh, uh, how was your week? We just, we just. We've been struggling to get recording and stuff like that for the last 20 minutes. We just missed some uh, <laughs> podcasting gold right here. Yeah, we did. Uh, some a little, uh, I guess, a work from home, uh, you know, gold there. Uh, had a little issue with the uh, with the puppy that I'll take the I'll take the bullet for. And uh, Warren was uh, was there to uh, see me take the bullet straight from Jamie. That not the first time. Uh, that, that that's happened uh one time we uh <laughs> i went ahead and muted the uh the microphone just to be safe because i didn't know what was going to be said <laughs> but uh yeah i mean that you get you're getting the full the full uh the full effect of what it's like to work from home warren uh when you are married so obviously that was that was kind of funny um it started off she came upstairs and it was just standing there and i just kind of saw her in the corner of my eye and it scared the crap out of me um, and then she proceeded to tell me what happened but uh yeah no uh good week uh, getting back kind of into the full swing of things um, as far as baseball goes. Uh, we're going to have our first practice this week uh, with my guys. Um, we, I am kind of circumventing the rules a bit. Um, I will say, you know, you're only supposed to have – it's only supposed to be three players at a time and a coach. Um, but what I'm figured I'm going to do is I'm, we're just going to – we're not going to go to a baseball field. We're not going to go to our facilities that we work at. Um, we're just going to go to a park. And as far as anybody else knows, it's just a bunch of kids playing baseball at a park. You know what I mean? So probably not the best idea, but hey, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, getting back into full swing of lessons, things like that, um, kind of staying, keeping that a little bit more more tidy and more uh, uh, playing by the rules there as far as uh, contact, social distancing, things like that. But uh, that's about it, really. And I've seen you, you've been hitting the links quite a bit this week. Yeah, I played uh, Monday. I shot 67. Nice. Hell yeah. I was five under through seven. Uh, and then bogey and then made a couple birdies to get it to six. Probably should have shot about 66, 65. It's always bad when you bogey the 18th. Yeah. Uh, I had the one where I had about eight feet of fringe to work with. And then the, the flag was about 10, 15 feet on the hole or on the yeah. green. Uh-huh. And I didn't know how hard to hit it through the fringe. And I just got psyched out because uh, the guy I was playing with left it like 20 feet short. So I hit the putt. And right when I hit it, I hit it a putt in the dead center of the club face. Novel idea to begin with hitting putts in the dead center. Just rocketed like 8, 10 feet past the hole. It was at Tennyson Park. Um, and then the next putt, I swear to God, this putt has to break left. There is no way gravity is keeping this ball straight. <laughs> There's no way. There is no way. 
and it just kept it right, and I missed it. But sixty-five or sixty-seven—that's my low round uh, ever five under. Uh, so yeah, that was pretty good. Tuesday at Merido came back to reality a little bit, but I still shot my handicap. I shot seventy-seven there from like the Reds, which is where the pros play, uh, and um, my handicap now like a plus point seven, which is not good. No, no member guests. I'm not getting invited any member guests anytime soon. Wait, why? Because I'd be giving everybody shot. Like a plus point seven uh, means like scratch is zero point zero. Yeah. So I'm like on the other side of scratch. Uh, so like. So okay, so that makes more sense. Okay, that makes more sense because I saw your your Instagram post that said it was it was nice to see the plus next to your handicap. So it is kind of look. It is kind of cool to see the plus. That means you're good. Yes, very good. So, like, say I'm playing, like, a uh, a guy's handicap that is, like, two. Yeah. I'd be giving him, like, three shots pretty much. I got you. So, it's, that's, like, for gambling purposes or, like, shot getting shots, this is not great. Not good. But. What you need to do, then, is just make sure that I, your partner, because then we'd be yes. giving, but then we'd be <laughs> catching, like, 10 or 12 strokes. So, no, then it'd be perfect. Catching <laughs> 20, probably. 18 something like that yeah probably 18 because you're probably an 18 right yeah so then you'd be catching all those shots um but no it was good and then i've been walking a lot i said walking and man that could get it's good but it could get tiring pretty quick yeah it's been a little toasty you know it hasn't been like like super hot uh, but the humidity, it's been, definitely been kind of muggy this week, uh, the few times yeah. I have been outside. Uh, I thought we were supposed to get a bunch of rain. Apparently, it's saving it for this weekend. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely – because we were planning it. Cause, so I think I mentioned last week uh, on Cinco de Mayo, we got an inflatable pool. And we were going to set it up you on Tuesday. A ground pool. Oh, it's an inflatable pool. Yeah, I, know a, it's an infla- oh. I, saw the, I saw the picture. It's an inflatable pool. And then you said on Monday that it was an above ground pool. I was like, man, he's really trying to go like he bought it to tell everybody he bought an above ground pool. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that, that's a slip of the tongue on my part. Yeah, 100% an, infl- an inflatable pool. It's not, yeah, not like, uh, not like those. I mean, I don't want to, I'll just say, uh, yeah, like your traditional above ground pool that you would think of. That's like, you know, I don't even know what that material would be but you have to climb up a ladder and get into it yeah 100 percent inflatable pool so we were going to set that up on tuesday just for fun and then we saw it was supposed to rain and it hasn't rained that much uh so we were a little bummed out because the weather's been great for it but uh yeah no you're right uh you know the i'm sure walking carrying your clubs things like that and obviously playing too that's got to wear you out pretty quickly well yeah it's a good well i walk because it's a good workout yeah uh, i'm a i'm also a member of the push cart mafia so okay uh, uh do that um but uh, also, so we haven't been talking about TikTok lately, though. Yeah. Uh, I bought a tripod. Camera, oh, God. Camera tripod. Last, uh, last week, I think it came. And it was just in the corner, kind of just looking at me. And then I kept looking at it like, am I going to really use this to do a TikTok? I was like. It's so like, are you going to be doing a dance or what? No, 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 no dance. No dance. You going to be wiggle dicking out there? No, 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 no. No dances. I was just going to use it. Well, I also said, hey, if I go to the driving range, need to do like record some stuff, need to check out how the swing is or like that, I could do that. Yeah. Um, uh, no, no dances, no dances. Um, but there was one. It was the MGT uh, electric feel when it goes dun, like the beat in the middle. Yeah. Someone expanded that to like 16 beats, like 16 
uh, like one second beats. Yeah. And people were doing like different videos of things to that. So I did it of like juggling the golf ball. Okay. Uh, it was a rocket ship. Early really? On. We hit 4,000 views in like. No time. 40 minutes. And then it got 500 more and it just fell out. Oh, like, I don't tough. understand how it falls out. Videos there fall out so fast. Yeah. I don't get it. It was getting a lot of likes, a lot of comments. Uh, again, maybe I need to cook the algorithm of my cousin who works there. Uh, but yeah, I got it. I haven't really looked at it since. The tripod's still there, but I've got the I've got the tripod and it's just like I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Pretty took, pretty soon you're gonna be minutes. painting your nails black. You're gonna be no, having the no, little no, no, e-boy no, haircut. No, with, no wearing like no. highlighter orange over <laughs> oversized uh, hoodies in ninety five no. degree weather. No, I I am I am not doing any of that. <laughs> uh, got it for some specific purposes. If I think it's, if I have something that's funny, I'll use it. If not, then we're then we're good. Uh, but yeah, uh, so that is what I did. Um, uh, so yeah, that's that. Okay, so sports this weekend. We're getting kind of more of a more of a. There's more coming back. Yeah. Uh, as NASCAR is coming back on Sunday, and they're also racing on Wednesday. Um, we have the Bundesliga, which is the German league, as I mentioned. They are coming back tomorrow. There's actually a lot of Americans in the Bundesliga. There's like six or seven. Um, tomorrow, Weston McKinney. He's actually from Little Elm and played in the FC Dallas youth system. He's playing on FS1 uh, with Schalke. So the Bundesliga is back. And then we have the golf, the tailor-made golf match on uh, Sunday. That is at Seminole, which Seminole, great course, highly exclusive. Uh, it is Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy on a team against Ricky Fowler and Matt Wolf. Uh, so that's on Sunday on NBC. So things, look, they're still a long way from getting like back to normal-ish. But now on the weekends, we're starting we're starting to see some sports and I see people complaining like, Oh, it's going to rain on the weekends, blah, blah, blah. What? We're not doing anything anyways. What does it matter? Right. Like if, when we, if we're able to do stuff in July or June, whenever, I mean, you could go out to restaurants if you want. I shouldn't say if we're able, you could do whatever you want right now. It's if you, if pretty much if you care, don't, um, but like, who cares if it rains this weekend, make it better weekends. Like in the fall, say it's, they say, we're we're back to somewhat normal in the fall like make sure it's good then rather than rather than now yeah no that's a good point yeah like you said i mean you people people have options now so you know if you if you're one of the ones that are going to go out uh do so if not stay home and watch some of the good stuff we got we got going you know nobody's forcing anybody to do anything uh i think you know, I'm not trying to get down too too far down a rabbit hole, but but early on when the whole social distancing, self quarantine thing started, everyone, it was like it was like kind of fun. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like, oh man, we have nothing to do. Let's do all the stuff that we thought we were gonna do, or watch all the stuff we wanted to. And then now it's just like, well, damn. Now that you have the option, it's like maybe I'm gonna go out. You know what I mean? Things like that. I don't know. No, agreed. Look, everybody is tired by this. Yeah. And like this week, it seemed like it came to a head of people are like, when are we getting back to normal? Well, there's still an unknown of like who it affects because now they're saying it could affect kids more. There's a, maybe a second strand or something that could affect kids more. Yeah. Like it like. We don't you don't know. 
you don't know what happens. And one of the things is the problem is that Abbott test, it's saying it brings back like 15% false positives on the instant test. Yeah. That's not good enough. So like, there's still a lot of unknowns. And, and I mean, look, no one wants to be stuck working from like doing this. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, everyone is, is getting pretty tired of, of the whole like staying at home thing. And, and it's just, we still like, don't, you don't know they're like, I think you have to wait a couple more weeks to see if like places that are reopening more, like have flare ups. Yeah. Like I still look at like South Korea, like South Korea opened up a couple clubs and then like there was an outbreak for the people that were at the clubs that got like 74 people got Corona and like it could trace back to like five people spreading it. Yeah. 73 people. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I know one thing that, uh, that I've been looking forward to or that I knew was going to happen um, was obviously gyms reopening. And we got a video and an email from our gym saying like the protocols are going to, or the, the not protocols, I guess, yeah, the protocols are going to follow and the precautions are going to take. And I knew once gyms reopened that it was probably going to be on an appointment base uh, or appointment basis, kind of where, you know, you schedule a time to go work out and that's exactly what they're doing. But it kind of sucks. Cause like, you have to schedule your appointment to go work out. You get to work out for an hour. And then after every group is done working out, they shut down the gym for 30 minutes to clean. And they do that every hour. Every hour they shut it down for 30 minutes, clean it, get the next group in there, and, and keep rolling. So the way I look at it, I mean, as many people that work out at the gym that I do, I might get a workout in once a week. I'm probably going to get a workout in at the gym like once a month to be able to find an appointment time that works, a uh, time that you know I can get there, get in, get out, and get them cleaning everything. Like it's going to be – it's going to be a hassle to where it's like it might not even be worth it where I can just, you know, continue doing what I'm doing up at uh, my baseball facilities and just kind of lifting there and not even worry about going back there just yet because A, the risk, and B, of just the hassle of all this stuff. And and I know being inconvenienced is probably the least of, of my worries or should be the least of my worries, but guess what? I mean, we've been going through this now since the middle of March, almost two months now. It's gotten old and people are kind of fed up with it. And so if things are a certain hassle, look, it's just going to kind of grow tiresome pretty quickly. And I think we're only human and I shouldn't uh, or anyone should get shamed for feeling that way or feeling inconvenienced and being kind of frustrated with it. Oh, yeah. No, everyone's frustrated. Even the people that are saying we still have to do this. I think they're frustrated, too. Right. Um, I just don't understand, like, such the big anti-mask crowd. Like, right. I I. If they said, hey, everything is reopened, you have to wear a mask, sign me up. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't see why people are so mad about wearing the mask. I, yeah, I just, it's I, because, I, it's I be I'll, I'll tell you why. It's because people don't want to be told what to do. They want to be able to make their own decision. And so if they're told that they have to wear a mask, that's just, that's the only option is what you're telling me what to do. Well, guess what? I don't want to do that. And so... I'm not going to do that uh, uh, because, you know, last time I checked, this is a free country, you know, things like that. So I think that's the biggest thing is just people being told uh, what to do. And, you know, if you, if you gave them the choice of saying, hey, what, either wear a mask or don't, I'm sure more people would probably not mind wearing the mask. But if you're telling them you have to, that's where the issue lies. Okay. Well, it's an inconvenience. Look, everybody doesn't like wearing a mask out there. Uh, I could tell you that. But 
Um, like I, I, like if they said you could go to a sporting event and like wear a mask, uh-huh. like the only way you get in is wearing a mask. I think that the line would be out the door to go to a game. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and even the Panthers owner hinted at that David Tepper this week uh-huh. uh, about saying, Hey, maybe there's like a, a space in between every seat and you have to wear a mask, um, for that. Um, so yeah, but this weekend, as we mentioned, we got some sports coming back. Um, looking forward to the golf and Hey, Monday. Uh, hopefully I'll get some, I'll throw some, uh, Samaritan fund imitational 2.0 picks out. All right. Yeah. We uh, had, we had some good, uh, some good picks last week. So yes, uh, we had some good picks last week, stronger field this year or this week. Um, Jordan's playing, uh, Spieth is playing. Um, so that is exciting. Uh, Bo Hostler's playing all the other guys from the last time are playing. So good. Should be a good field there. So Monday we'll get some picks there. All right. So, kind of going on the fit dealing with the fans and whatever but baseball Blake Snell he uh people are coming at him with the pitchforks this week after he said on his twitch stream that he's not going to play if he's playing at a reduced salary in baseball and I am amazed at how many people are pro owners and when it comes to sports like they're not, they're for the worker when it comes to everything outside of sports, and I think a lot of it has to be be to the jealousy that they are good enough to be playing a professional sport and be making millions of dollars a year, while they're stuck, as LeBron said, you're stuck doing your nine to five job or whatever else you're doing, and you're jealous I'm playing this game for millions of dollars, so I'm going to side with the owner. I just think a lot of it is jealousy is why everybody or not everybody, but a lot of people are pro owner when it comes to sports. And this is just another reason of people being pro owner here when they're just saying Blake Snell, he should suck it up. He's playing a game. He's making millions of dollars. His salary's cut in half, blah, blah, blah. And he should do that instead of wanting to get paid what his contract was set. Like what is gotten Trevor Bauer alluded to this point today trying to personalize it with like a contractor you go out to a you're a contractor you sign a contract for two hundred thousand dollars something terrible happens to that you can't do that job but you still expect to get paid and you don't get paid what do you do almost kind of the same thing here but what are your thoughts on the Blake Snell situation I mean I don't I I agree with him a hundred percent I don't think these guys should take a pay cut at all I think you're right about see the one thing that, that I think uh, you you hit the nail on the head as people are are jealous of of pro athletes and that's why a lot of times they do side with the owner but i think a lot of the times too people don't realize they're siding with the owner because you don't really see that what you see is cuz you know at the end of the year or at the beginning of every year they don't say hey this team made this amount of money this owner collected this much in revenue the owner did you know whatever but what do we see oh mike trout signed a 10 year contract for $500 million or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you, you see the contract numbers for these players. And so, uh, you know, out of sight, out of mind type of thing where people are like, these players should be playing for less. You know, it, it's fine. You're playing a shorter season, but they don't realize that like, like what if, what if uh, somebody came out and said, yeah, I signed this contract, but now that I'm at a higher risk, I want you to pay me more money. You know what I mean? It's literally the exact same thing. You're going outside of that contract that you wrote, you signed your name, you put your word on saying, I will play for this amount of money. 
But now the owners are saying, well, because you're playing for less or you're playing half a season, you're going to play for less pay. Excuse me. Yeah. Play for less money versus. Uh, uh, so we're going to go outside the, the confines of that contract. Well, if the player did that, people would be pissed. People would be up in arms about it. So kind of getting to my original point is because we don't see how much money owners are making or because, I mean, you know, you know, these owners are making hundreds of millions of dollars. That's why they're able to to keep these teams going. That's why they the own Royals, these teams. The Royals sold for one billion dollars last year. The Kansas City Royals. Exactly. They're doing OK. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like they're, they're, they're doing just fine. So I think a lot of times people don't realize when they're anti-player or anti-player contracts that it is pro-owner. And sometimes you've got to, you have to remind people that that's the case is, is when you are, you know, upset at a player for holding out or you're upset for a player, you know, speaking out the way uh, Blake Snell or, or Trevor Bauer did that you are pro-owner, but getting to what Blake Snell actually said I think he's 100% correct. And he even went as far as saying that I'm preparing for next season. I'm not even preparing for this. I'm preparing for next season. Um, but, you know, I don't. I, if I was a player, I wouldn't play, pay, play for any less money. I would say give me a prorated um, salary. You know, at the very least, that's a compromise I can come up with. If we're playing from July to October, pay me for those months that I'm playing, and you're paying me the exact number that I signed my name on that contract for. Yeah, and the problem is with the ML with MLB is that it's going to come down to money if they play or not. It's not going to be figuring out like player safety and all that. Like I think they're going to be able to do that, like find a safe way to play. Um, but it's going to come down to the money aspect, and without opening up the books, they're because the thing is the owners are never going to open up the books. Yeah, because it's going to come out of teams like the Indians. And well, the Indians are going to find people are going to find out how much they make. Right, the small market teams aren't so small. Small market, and the fans are going to be livid that we're not spending more when we got a the great a great pitching staff and things like that to try and go for it one last time with the generational shortstop. And teams like at least the Reds have gone. They've made a ton of moves this year. The Brewers have spent a lot of money this year too. It's like the smaller market teams that are like borderline contending or that are contending, but the ownership hasn't given them a push. And they're saying, oh, because we're losing funding and stuff like that. Tim Ricketts out here for the Cubs is crying poor. And they're the Cubs. He's, yeah. he's, 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 he's an idiot. He just doesn't want to spend any money. He's crying poor, and he's the Cubs. Give me a break. He just created his own TV network to bring in, to pump in a bunch of money to the Cubs. So he so he should be the last guy crying, uh, crying poor here. But I also think there needs to be like a different – there might need to be some different rules this year. Like maybe the revenue sharing isn't the same this year as it is every other year. Maybe some of the bigger market clubs to help the league for this year need to help out some of the smaller market teams with some of the revenue sharing. Like things maybe just need to be different if you want to play baseball this year. And you got to take, you got to bite the bullet for this season and then, Hopefully the season starts in March and everything is back to normal. You can play the season back to normal then. So there's got to be a give and take from the owners as well as what in the collective, what, like what the share of money is. And the, 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 the owners were genius in this by releasing what they're going to do a 50, 50 split of revenue and all this stuff, making it look, they, they played this perfectly of saying, we're going to get our stuff out there first and then let the players respond. And make it look like we're taking a good deal when they're not taking a good deal. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that's straight out of the owner's handbook. You know, you always get the, the biggest and best lawyers to make yourself look good. I and mean, you know, we saw it happen in the NFL collective bargaining agreements, um, whereas the owners always come out looking like the good guys because of, of strategics and tactics like you just mentioned. Um, but, you know, yeah, something is going to have to change um, as far as the revenue splits. Uh, maybe it's, you know, hey, since there's not a lot going on, Go to your TV networks that have your TV rights deals and ask them for more money. You know what I mean? I don't think they are. But why would the TV pay more? Because it's the contract. You're going to renegotiate the contract. Exactly. On this? No, no. That, but exactly. So, I mean, if you want to make that argument and say, why would the TV uh, networks give us more money when we already signed this contract? Well, why would the baseball play, Why would the players take less money when they already signed these contracts? So, I mean, if, if you need more money that bad – or you need to find a way to generate more revenue or find a way to split this revenue. You know, someone's going to, like you said, there's going to be some give and take. I don't think it should be the players giving back money. Um, a lot of guys miss out on some money to begin with, not as bad as they do like in the NFL or, or things like that. Cause contracts are all guaranteed. Um, but I just, I just don't think it'd be smart for the players because with this weird layoff, you know, they got started with spring training, cut it off. And now they've been out for two weeks or excuse me, two months. Uh, and you know, if we start that 4th of July weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a ton of arm injuries um, or, or maybe even like hamstring or Achilles injuries, you know, kind of like the soft tissue stuff um, more so than we ever have because of how things have kind of worked with, with getting started, stopping, getting started, and then, you know, having to really sprint towards the finish line for these teams. Well, I think you'll see the pitchers, it won't be five man. It'll be, you could get like six man rotations or maybe even the uh, double starter thing. Like one guy goes four innings. And then the next, the, uh, like what the Astros did when they won the World Series in 2017, they brought in the guy, like a reliever to pitch like three innings. That was like a starter, three or four innings. What yeah. do what they call I don't can't remember what they call that, but just like the double starter. The long relief guy? Yeah. Yeah. But there was another, another name for it or something, I guess, than just long reliever. It was, um, I don't know. Um, but I could see like teams doing that. Um, but, yeah, this is going to come down to money, and we'll have to see what the – the thing is, too, the MLBPA is, like, the strongest players association in this country. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this, this is this is something you have to look forward to. They also have to look to, like, next year's free agency class. Yeah. Like, if they're talking about a hit of money, like, there's not going to be a – ton of huge, there's going to be like zero huge contracts out there next year yeah i won't i wouldn't be surprised if we see a, a lot of one or two year deals for guys uh coming out as free agents next year yeah so we'll have, you'll have to see on that um it's just it's like it seems like baseball has the most issues of like coming back but i also think the nba has a ton of issues the nba players i feel like would be like oh we don't really care we want to get paid and we'll get come back into the playoffs yeah. There's also a, there is also a thing of that is like, do you care? Like, how much do you care if you get sick? There's also that. Right. And I feel like the NBA players will be like, well, we know we got to make money, so we'll just do it. And the fact that there's already been a handful of NBA players that caught it early and made a full recovery, uh, you know. And yeah. they're, 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 by all accounts, fine now. You know, that might take into consideration for those NBA players. Um, I know the MLB had a couple couple players in the Yankees farm system. Um, and, but again, by all accounts, they're fine. So, like you said, it's just, it's just a matter of the, – the issue with this, though, is obviously 
people that are willing to take the risk to get sick. Well, then that aren't right. And then, well, I mean, not only that, but yeah, you'd be like, okay, you know what? If I get it, I get it. But also, I mean, it's, it's just, it's easily just as spread to somebody else. You know what I mean? That's the biggest issue. That's, that's obviously, you know, that goes without saying, but I think, I think that's the biggest problem that, that you're going to face is, is guys that, that want to and want to get out on the field. Like, yeah, sure. I'll take the bullet. But again, you know, depending on who you come in contact with when you do catch it or if you do catch it, that's, that's the, that's the issue there. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree there. And like people are coming at Blake Snell because he's like, if I get the Rona, I get it. Whatever. A lot of people were saying that in March. Yeah. The first March 1st. So I don't think anybody should be really held accountable for what we knew on March 1st from what we know now on March 15th. Yeah. Or on May 15th right now. So I don't think like the guy deserves a pass on what he said. Okay. Um, all right. What do you, before we get into the, uh, Bulls Pacers Eastern Conference Finals Game Six or Game Seven of nineteen ninety eight. What do you want to? Uh, you said you had something. I think before the grab bag, didn't you have something else you wanted to touch on here before we got to that? Uh, no, no, no. It was all the grab bag. Oh, okay. Um, all right. So first, the last dance before we get into that. Look at this. I was talking to my dad about this, and he said he is surprised that Jordan's family, like wife and kids, have like not been mentioned the entire documentary yeah they really haven't like they showed a couple clips of of like his kids him with his kids and like after a game or something but like they haven't touched on his first wife at all um and obviously got divorced he's now remarried but like i guess i'm kind of like they've talked to his they talked to his mom his his brother his dad i'm guess i'm kind of surprised but then I also feel like, well, Jordan might be embarrassed he's gotten a divorce. I don't know. I guess I'm surprised they haven't brought them into it. And that brings to another thing. Uh, so Jason Ayer, the director, said that last week's episode, he was surprised that Jordan let them keep stuff in the documentary that, that was in there. What stuff did he want to put in that Jordan missed? Yeah, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe more. I mean, obviously, the first thing everyone's mind goes to is the gambling thing. Like, maybe more stuff on the gambling thing. Um, I mean, definitely. You know, I don't know if there's some promiscuity going on off the court, which I wouldn't be surprised, just because he was Michael Jordan, the biggest athlete on the face of the earth. You know, at that time. Uh, but yeah, who knows? And, I, and I, I, actually, I take that back because I wouldn't see a director wanting to put that stuff in in uh, the documentary. Yeah. So who knows? Who knows? Um, you know, it's 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 you know one thing that we haven't touched on is is Michael did have some some pretty big time injuries. I don't know, maybe he took some of that stuff out because Michael maybe it showed weakness for MJ. Uh, you know what I mean? He he had a couple knee injuries and a couple things where he got banged up that they haven't touched on uh, at all. So maybe things like that. But that's a good point. I. I I don't know. Those are the only two things I could come up with is, is maybe more specifics on the gambling and maybe just some injuries or things that he that he went through uh, off the court that were related onto the court. I think something he had to have taken out is some practice clips like they wanted to show that he was like being a real hard ass on guys. Like, but that's what everyone wants. Everyone wants to see that stuff. I know, but he wants to be lo- like he thought he was people were going to look at him in a bad light after this, which isn't going to happen. Everyone but- just loves him more, I think. Yeah, no, totally. But I think like he was just fearing of that, which to begin with is the point of a documentary is you shouldn't really have any editorial control over. Like you should say, hey, I trust you to do this, do a good job in that. Like, like that, 
like, yes, he allowed them to use the video. He has the rights to the video, but it should have been like, all right, I'm going to trust you to do this. Maybe we could talk about some of the stuff post-production, like one thing here or there, but like the point of a documentary is you're not supposed to like have editorial control or like have what the final product is. You're supposed to let the director do that. If you want to direct this, your thing based on this, you should be the director of the film. Yeah, but at the same time, it's his story being told, you know, so I'm sure he wants his story shaped in a certain way. All documentaries do that. Um, so, you know, I don't fault him completely for it. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, there, there's definitely some stuff like, you know, it, it's, it's funny. I've always been a LeBron guy, 100 percent a LeBron guy. But obviously recency bias and watching how and again, not trying to make this a Michael uh, MJ versus LeBron thing, but but the way. This is, sh you know, shown things and shed the light on, on MJ and some of the things. It's like, shit, man, maybe, maybe, maybe it is MJ. This, you know what I has, mean? This has entrenched me even more in LeBron camp. Really? It entrenched me even more. I see these, these plumbers out there that Jordan's playing. Yo, I know. I see, see that's, that's, the, that's the tough thing is the ratio of white, unathletic dudes that were just big versus – you know, the actually athletic basketball players, the ratio was way too close to what it is now. And okay, and if we want to get into Jordan-LeBron, I think this is what I said the, la the last uh, episode, I can't remember, before we get to the game. There is no doubt in my mind that Jordan is the greatest competitor that's ever been in professional sports. No doubt in my mind he's the greatest uh, competitor, and he could be like one of the greatest winner superstar athletes of all time. And yes, he was probably a better scorer than LeBron. But LeBron James is by far the better basketball player. He's a better passer. He was a better rebounder. He made his teammates way better. And he never had the second best player in the NBA on any of his teams. Okay, so I'm glad you said that. So I've been sitting on this for a while, and I don't think, it's, I don't think this is uh, 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 unique in any way. What about this argument? Now, it's kind of a cop-out, but I'm glad you said that because I agree with you 100% what you just said. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time, while LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. You're, so I understand what you're saying. You're, like, he was the best like pure scorer, this and that. I understand, I understand what you're... Like if you just take a baseball or, excuse me, a basketball player... And you want to pick a guy to be the best basketball player? It's got to be LeBron. It's got to be for sure. He does but everything. But then, yeah, literally everything. When he first came in the league, he guarded one through five for a long time. You know, like you said, he he uh, can pass. He's a great passer. He you know probably up there with with Magic, maybe even better than Magic. He does make his players better around him, and he's never had a ton of talent around him. He always has done it himself. Um, he developed a three point shot. You know, he's done a lot of things to his game and, and it has skyrocketed. You know, he wasn't just a he's never just been a, a one dimensional player. But if you take just a pure basketball player, you've got to say LeBron is the best one we've ever seen. Meanwhile, just a I don't know how to word it differently for 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 MJ, whereas he is like like you said, you, you take in all the other stuff. The, the competitiveness, competitiveness, the drive, the hearts, the, you know, just grit he would be the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah, and I think people, like, overuse MJ's competitiveness to, like, they have that as a knock against LeBron, like he's not a competitor. Right. And see, I think the difference is with Michael Jordan, with MJ, 
it's it's stuff that you can't quantify you know like like we just said you know it's 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 the competitiveness the heart the drive the the want to the hard work i guess you can quantify hard work versus stuff that you can see and that you can put uh that you can personify with with uh lebron well what about this when lebron has left the team they have gone to complete garbage correct the next year after when jordan left the bulls won 55 games yeah Okay, like you're no slouch if you're winning 55 games in the NF in the NBA. No doubt, as a team. Um, so yeah, no, I'm more entrenched in Team LeBron than I am. The feet are in, the, the quicksand is up to my chest. We are, <laughs> we are, we are deep in deep in position of Team LeBron uh, on this. No, I was gonna say something. Oh, what I what I was gonna say is so Jordan after the three peat. Um. Just retired and went to go play baseball, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You could say it. Because probably in the back of his mind was like, man, I'm probably not going to make it to the finals next year. I'm not going to, we're not going to win the finals. He needs to recharge the batteries, whatever, figure that out. What if LeBron, after like his, uh, when he won two rings in a row in Miami, just said, you know what? I'm done for a couple of years. I'm going to go play football and then I'm going to come back and then he wins a handful of, like, how do we look at, like, the timing of Jordan retiring is insane. He's in the prime of his career. Yeah. Like, it's almost like he was fearful of losing is why he retired. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a good point. Um, but like, you could be tired. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Like, no, no, no. Say you're thought. tired and mentally exhausted. Everybody's mentally exhausted. Everybody is that. That's not an excuse to retire. When you're 27, I guess. It's not an excuse to retire. At least in my mind. I don't know. I just think it's a like. Like, I kept thinking about this. I'm like, this guy, imagine if LeBron retired when he's 27 after he won two finals in a row with Miami and just said, I'm tired. The man will be raked over the coals for years to come. Yeah. I, it's, it's just amazing to me that people were like, they're upset he retired, but like, oh, it's Michael Jordan. Fine. He could do whatever he wants. I understand different landscape back then to now. But it's like, just think about that. Think of Tom Brady retired after his 3 P and was like, you know what? I'm going to go play baseball now for a couple of years and try it out. Yeah. Like, no, no one, no one at the great, their greatest, when they're the greatest athlete in the sport, retires in their prime. No, you're you're 100 correct. I, I mean, it's it's definitely something that could be looked at uh, negatively towards towards MJ. Uh, but like you said, people a lot of people revere him for it because they're taking on he was taking on a new challenge, um, and then it turns out that he wasn't maybe as great as he thought. Which who, who would be? You know, he he hadn't played baseball in ten years, and now he's going straight to the pros. Um, but you know, I, I agree with you hundred percent. If LeBron was just like, you know what, I'm going to chill out. I'm going to go, like you said, play football or I'm going to go try my hand at, you know, whatever. It would have been like, oh man, what? You just win two rings and you think that's all you got to do. And now you're, you're leaving cause you're mentally tired, you know? And then they would start comparing that era to this era, but they wouldn't have a leg to stand on cause MJ literally did that. Yeah. All right. So we get to the game. Let's get to the game. Um, <laughs> I, I assume this is they're going to cover this a lot. I think coming up on episode seven and eight, yeah, episode seven, this or episode nine. Sorry, uh, the series they kind of teased head the series against the Pacers. Um, this is game seven, nineteen ninety eight, Eastern Conference Finals, Bulls Pacers. There's like three full games on YouTube. I think the best one you got to watch is the one when it's the uh, NBA TV edition. Yeah, because the other two are a little grainier. I think they had the best picture quality. 
Um, yeah, I started watching one that I think was like a local broadcast because it was showing like tornado warnings and stuff. And oh, I was really? like, all right, yeah, I was like, all right, we might need to change this up a little bit. So then so I, I found started off one with two hours, the two hour one, and I went to the hour and a half one. I wanted to watch the open, uh-huh. NBC open, and see what they did, like the the all the opening montage and then, then the sound and then all that stuff. Um. Also, why was Bob Bob Costas great play by play? Why was Marv Albert not doing that game? Was he doing like the West? Or how did he lose out? Marvelous was the NBC lead guy. I thought, how did he lose out? on uh, game seven with the bulls that was surprising but i enjoyed the broad i thought isaiah thomas was pretty good as a broadcaster he was i was that's that's i thought the same thing too he did give a lot of good insight uh uh on the game and things like that so i i agree with you there and i've always enjoyed doug collins i think he's a very good announcer it's amazing though these are not every game we watch like these color guys are all very good we're stuck with like chris weber uh who stinks who else is on nb reggie miller he's eh. who else on right. tnc that's that's bad um, Chris Webber Chris and Weber, Chris Webber stinks. Yeah, he stinks. Okay. Um, early on, Dale Davis never heard of this guy before in my life, but he was dominating down low. Uh, they got out. I didn't realize. In the, I first of all, I know nothing about this game other than the Bulls won. Going into it, did not know that Indiana started out eight for eight from the field and was up twelve or 13, 21 to eight. That was a shock to me early on. Yeah, and the fact, and to add on to that, how bad uh, MJ started off. I mean, he he went through a stretch where he made his first basket, I believe, uh, you know, pretty quickly. But then he he just couldn't hit anything. And Tony Kukoc is kind of the one that kept them in the game and didn't let we're, the. We're, we're we're jumping. I think you're jumping a little too far ahead. Okay. All right. All right. Sorry. No, Go no. Ahead. I was just saying early on, because uh, I was getting there. Um, but early on, the Bulls started from the field six of twenty-one. Uh, that was with 10.30 left in the in the first half. And then they went on a nice little run. Steve Curry had a couple threes. The Pacers then just went ice cold from the field. Also, Indiana, if they could rebound on the defensive glass at all in this game, they win <laughs> no doubt in my mind. The final tally was 21 to, or 22 to 3 on the offensive glass. The Bulls at 22. The Pacers at 3. They, had no, they could not get a defensive rebound to save their life. I think there was a stretch in the first half where Scottie Pippen got like three offensive rebounds in a row after misses and then finally like laid one in. Yeah, Rick Smith was uh he was down low and he was getting torn up on the But he the, was in uh, foul trouble too. Like their big guys Davis and him were in foul trouble. Right? Yeah. But but he was getting torn up at, uh, you know as far as uh, the rebounding went. Um he he only finished uh, I mean he played 28 minutes and only finished up with four total rebounds. I mean when you're a guy when you're big in in this era and play that long, I mean, you better have more than four rebounds. Uh, obviously, you know, uh, uh, you, you're going against one of the best rebounders ever with uh, Dennis Rodman, but uh, still, that was that was a tough look for, for him. Uh, well, and Kukoc at the beginning of the game was getting absolutely obliterated. Yeah. I mean, Dale Davis was lighting him up. Also, didn't realize Rick Smith had some, or Rick Smith had some nice touch around the hoop. Oh, he yeah. Had some moves there. Did not realize that. Um, but Kukoc was getting obliterated. They get Rodman, and I think they showed a stat in the third quarter. was Rodman on the bench, they were like minus nine, and with him on the court, they were like plus 15. Yeah. Um, but then Chicago went on a 9-0 run. Then they got the lead. Um, excuse me. And then up at the half, I think they are up like three points at the half. Reggie Miller, though, saved uh, Indiana late in the first half with those uh, two three-pointers. He had six, six points there. They kind of brought him closer as they went into halftime. 
Yeah, like I said, Tony Kukoc, I think that's when he kind of, he obviously made that, I believe it was him, he made a three right at the buzzer to go into half to put them up three. And he really had a great game to, to kind of keep things closer for the uh, for the Bulls or else he could have got out of hand and, and who knows what happened. But speaking of Reggie Miller, you know, he always gets remembered for just being a pure shooter and a great shooter, which he was. But, I mean, the dude also had some handles and he could drive the lane pretty well too. I think, uh, you know, I think he kind of gets – shorted a little bit on how much skill and talent he really had with as as far as a ball handler obviously he came off screens really well was a was a catch and shoot guy and you know was known for for how well he shot the ball but I think we need to give him a little more credit on on some of the other things he did because he did them really well yeah no I agree he was a good defender too um that I don't think uh touched on that enough but okay before we get to the second half couple things is this the game that had the most bald people ever that was the look in the 90s. Everyone just oh. like, you know what, just bick it. Mark Jackson is in the same company as Brian Urlacher and Deion Sanders of bald <laughs> early in life and then get hair later in life. I know. I couldn't tell the, I couldn't tell him and Jalen Rose apart uh, because Jalen Rose was, was was going with a bald head too. So uh, his, it, his hair was like growing back a little. It was like a 0.5. Like he had a 0.5 razor or a yeah. guard on it if they had it. Like it was you could see he had hair. He just had it really, 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 really short. Yeah, no, I, th- I think I think Michael's uh, or MJ is obviously the one that uh, made everyone want to want to go with the bald head. He was the trendsetter there. I guess so. I guess so. But everybody was bald. Uh, everyone was bald in that game. And also on the sideline, it looked like Larry Bird. Maybe it's when they panned to him, but it looked like Larry Bird just stood there like a statue the entire game and never said anything as a coach. Whenever they panned to him, it looked like he didn't have another word to say. He was just a deadpan face, like looking at the court, like, what do we do? Yeah, he was, uh, I never, I mean, obviously he, he had a good team and this, this Pacers team is very good, but I don't know how much he was. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to see how I'm trying to say, it, but you're right. You're right. He just kind of looked like he was like the ultimate roll the ball out there and see what happens coach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So the second, Get to the second half, as we mentioned, Tony. Kukoc. It also could have been too. Larry Bird, he faced Michael Jordan as a player, so he was like, you know what? Let's just see what happens. I don't know, you know, there's not really much I can do. It's all, it's all to what uh, what MJ and the Bulls do. I think there was a lot of that too going. On. <laughs> uh, I think there was a lot of that too going on. And it's also Game Seven. You played a team six times already. You, you know what they're doing. You're right. The foul shots. This game. Terrible. The flow of this game was terrible. There was no flow. Fouls up and down. I thought the home cooking refs were working hard in the first half for the Bulls. Then I think it kind of shifted. The Pacers got their fair share of calls in the second half. But my God, the free throw shooting was terrible. Both teams shot like 60%. There were like 70 foul shots in this game. I don't understand how people watch 90s basketball. I mean, this game, I know game sevens are a little more different, but. This stuff was hard to watch. There was one point where both teams were shooting like around like, I think the Bulls were shooting like 58% from the line, and then the Pacers weren't far behind or, or like a real. 61%. Yeah. And I was just like, could you imagine a game seven conference final game or, or whatever, and the, both teams are shooting 60% from the line? And, and it's not like they were six of 10. They were like 11 of 39 or whatever it was. Like, it was, it was bad. It was it was it was very poor. There was no flow. I will say this: I did not think Michael Jordan played very well because he didn't. The Bulls, the Bulls did not win this game because of MJ. Definitely not. Uh, 
they mainly won it because our guy Tony Kukoc. Yep. Uh, who in the third quarter goes five of five from the field, has 14 points. The other Bulls in that in the third quarter go two of 11 from the floor and only put up seven points. Tony was on fire. Jerry Krause must have been doing a little dance in his suite every time he's making a little three ball. And Kukoc, I mean, he saved the day. He definitely did. Him and Kerr. Kerr hit a couple big threes down the stretch there, too, um, which uh, really obviously helped things quite a bit. But I think Michael Jordan in the third quarter, maybe the third quarter into fourth quarter, went on a stretch where he missed seven straight shots. It was, yes. It was uh, in third quarter and then late. In about six minutes to go in the fourth quarter was when he broke that. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, imagine if LeBron did that. I mean, obviously he always gets crap for for his game against the Mavs in the finals, where he scored what eight points or whatever it was. Yeah. But imagine, imagine he goes seven straight shots and goes, you know, however many X game minutes without making a basket. The problem is he won though, so it doesn't matter. Like it only is brought up if you lose. Like right. LeBron, if LeBron they win that series, who cares? That's the thing with Jordan. They this team won that like. He would do something at the end, or his team would do something down the end where they would win, so it doesn't it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. But I just you know, imagine if this game is being played in the Twitter era. People are oh, like, sure. you know, where's MJ at? Well, you know, what's MJ doing? Maybe, you know, but like you said, the fact that maybe the fact that you got five rings in the five full seasons you just recently played, uh, you know, oh, helps sure. you a little bit, but uh, who knows? Yeah, he was not great. He was not great uh in this game at all. Then the fourth quarter was like the Pacers ended up t- taking a three-point lead with I think like 11 minutes to go in the fourth, uh, and then the Bulls just kind of the Pacers couldn't make a bucket. Um, another thing too is when did full-time on-screen score like really hit television? Because they had it on more prevalent in this game than other ones. But with a minute to go, they did not have the score up. They would have it on for like 10 seconds and take it on. Just have that clock in the thing in the bottom right-hand corner. Like the score was not on the screen permanently at all. Yeah, I know. I thought that was weird too. I was like, when did we get full? Like you have it on now. Why do you not have it on the full game? Yeah, who knows? I don't know. But that's a great point. Yeah, this uh, because I thought the same thing too. Because I kept wondering like, hey, what's the score? Then they'd show it, you know, it was like 78, 72 or whatever it was at that point. And I'm like, okay. And then you almost had to like mentally keep up with you know, them trading buckets uh, of, of the score yourself. Um, but yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. Uh, one thing I was looking at the, uh, this is totally off, off subject, but I was looking at uh, the basketball reference page just to kind of go through the final stats and stuff. Good old Fred Hoiberg was on this team. Really? Yeah. Didn't nice. play, but he was on, he was on the Pacers. Nice. Rick Carlisle was an assistant coach on the Pacers for this. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. I did. I did know that actually. Um, but yeah, they just couldn't make it. The Pacers really couldn't make any. Even the Bulls really didn't make a lot of shots. Um, Mark Jackson, though, he was pretty good. He was good. He was good in this game. He was pretty good in this game. Um, but yeah, the fourth quarter was like they kind of Jordan made a couple layups here, and then that was kind of it. Um, it was a good. I like the tension in this game. There was like a lot of tension in it because I still thought. Like, you could see how the Pacers were going to win this if they could. But mm-hmm. then it all comes back to, like, the fact that they could not get a rebound. Yeah. I don't – that that was my biggest takeaway. I don't know what you thought what your biggest takeaway was. No, you're, you're right. And, uh, you know, we're talking about MJ just not shooting the ball well. He went 9 of 25. The guy still had 28 points. Yeah. 
he went 10 of 15 from the free throw line, uh, you know, 66% there. That's not terrible. But the fact that he still had 28 points on, on 36% shooting from the field. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is, is for all you uh, 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 analytics nerds and the mid-range jump shot, Two of the greatest we've ever seen love the mid-range jump shot in MJ and Kobe. So, you know, maybe analytics well, are all their crack. That doesn't mean it was a smart shot. I mean, hey, two of the greatest to ever do it. That's what they love to do is take that mid-range jump shot. And to throw Tim Duncan in there, too. Well, yeah, because the, 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 the nerds didn't get into basketball until, like, 2010 when it was like, hey, if I'm going to take a shot from, what, 18, 19 feet, and I could step back to 22 feet, three more feet, and get one more point, why not do that? I'm just saying, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, Michael oh, Jordan, mid-range jump shot combined, what, 15 titles? I'll take it. Fine, whatever. <laughs> all right. Um, all right, so that was our game. We could watch another Jordan Bulls game for Monday if you want to do that. Uh, yeah, let's do – or here, I was going to suggest this. So every Monday we review The Last Dance, so I think we should save our game reviews for Fridays. Okay. Are we going to keep going on the 30 for 30s after this? I think There's we have one to. One more week of the last dance. Yeah, I think we have to because the, the Sosa Maguire one's going to be great. I uh, love that. Lance yeah. Armstrong, that's uh, two parts that's four hours of Lance. So, four, wait, it's four hours total or four hours? Yes, four okay. hours total. It's part one, part two. They're each two hours. Mm-hmm. And then there's one on what, Bruce Lee, right? Yep. Bruce Lee and then the Maguire. I'm really looking forward to the Maguire. So yeah, yeah, that one, that one's got me, got me amped up. Um, the Bruce Lee one's actually gonna be pretty cool because uh, there was a guy that wrote Bruce Lee's autobiography. He was on Ryan Rosillo's podcast a couple months ago, and some of the stories he had about Bruce Lee was just was wild. So I think that's gonna be really cool. All right, so we'll pick a game. We'll announce the game on Monday or on Monday for Friday. Um, all right, what do you have in the uh, in the grab bag? All right, so so should we go? So I got I got new rules for NBA and baseball, so we can do that. And then I've also got some quarantine questions for you. Okay. Which one do you want to do first? Start with the new rules. Okay. So we'll go we'll go basketball first because this one this one's kind of intricate and it involves a couple things that you a like and b have also mentioned. So now so if we start the playoffs as soon as the NBA starts, or if they have a week or two where it's regular season and then playoff starts. You're going to have to cram a lot of games into a short time, right? So you're going to have to kind of limit, uh, A, how much guys are playing maybe, or, or B, you're going to have to expand rosters a little bit. So if we go straight into playoffs, I think, okay, so you remember your, remember your, your preposition or, or proposal of after you beat a team in the playoff, you can grab one of their teams, one of their players, yeah. and, and bring it on with you? Well, this no. is – yeah, no, this is what, I'm, what I say. So – if we start the playoffs, the top eight teams right now in each conference are in the playoffs. Boom. That's it. And then you hold an expanded roster draft where each playoff team can pick two players from all the other non-playoff teams. Okay? But the non-playoff teams can also protect two of their players that they don't want going on. Okay, Does that make but, sense? Yeah. So you have the rest. So there's 16 teams in the playoffs. Yeah. Of the other 14 teams. So 28 players get to keep playing. Correct. Who pays the salary? The playoff teams. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. I see. I already had that. I already had that ready to go. So, yeah, they play. The, you think they, these cheap-ass owners want to be paying more players? Probably not. Maybe you have, like, maybe you have like a playoff 
salary cap or something or, or, or just like a, you know, a, a stated amount, like, Hey, you're going to make X amount to finish out the playoffs. However, however far we go, you make X amount of money per round. Maybe they can do that. That's okay. a good idea. I like the idea, but the problem is everyone's like, how do we keep like the sanctity of the championship? And like, you won't have an asterisk on it. This is that this has asterisk written all over it. A hundred percent. Anything that has to do with the year 2020, just slap a big ass asterisk right next to it. <laughs> I mean, I don't care what you're doing. I'm just saying that way is like an asterisk more than all the other. Then I think just we start right in the playoffs right now. Okay. So then, and then also to kind of limit how long these games go, because you're going to have to cram a bunch in, we just go to the Elam ending, can't end on a free throw. I like that. So boom, that's, that's my preposition or my proposal. The the thing with the Elam ending is the, the fourth quarter of the, all-star game took 55 minutes yeah like i think you have to you have to lessen the point total because isn't the elam ending what like you had eight or something um something like that yeah the, the other one they added like 20 out of kobe or what, what was they added yeah they had or like what you 20- could do what you what here the, here's what we could do is is all right no i think this is the elam ending so say the score is uh, you know, 89 to 75 going into the, the second quarter. Or, excuse me, going into the fourth quarter. What? Oh, no, that wouldn't work. I was going to say, you take the difference, split it in half, and whatever team... But it could be zero. Right. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't no, work. No, I think you add eight points to the total at the end. What if we just make it 15? Make it 15. I think first to 15. All right, that's fine. Like a pickup game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah okay, I, I like that's better what is the uh, baseball one okay so the baseball one so they're just going to use a universal dh for both leagues correct uh that's being talked about right 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 that's what i meant so there's really no point in having an american league team in a national league or excuse me american league in a national league so my proposal here is take what they do in in youth select baseball whereas how it works is we play on saturdays and sundays saturday you get two pool play games you play your two pool play games, wherever, you know, you win, lose, draw, whatever. That's the other thing. We're going to allow ties in, in, in the MLB. Ten innings, ten inning max. All right. Win, lose, draw. Um, and then you go into Sunday, and based on where you were ranked, that's where you're, you know, that's where you're seated. So what we're doing for the MLB, same thing. Just put all 30 teams in one pool. You know, you got your three regions playing. Uh, you play the same 10 teams over and over, I guess the same nine teams over and over again. And then the best records, you just rank them one through, what, 14, and then seed them that way. But tiebreakers are uh, uh, runs against and runs allowed. So you really have to strategize, hey, are, you know, do we have, we have to, we can't allow any runs here or we got to go with our best guy here, or we got to score runs here. So maybe some style points where guys are going up there and swinging for the fences or whatever. So that way, like I said, if, if we're not doing an American League, National League, what does it matter? Just rank this, the 14 top teams, uh, give the top two a bye, and then play it out the way you, you would normally. I think that's more confusing. Why? Why can't you just keep the divisions the way they are now? Who cares if it's the universal... Like DH. And because, I thought you were. Like, what? No, you could just do every. I don't get why they just don't have uh, 
just three the three ten team divisions and just do it like that way. You have two teams from each division make the playoffs, they get in the divisional round, and then you can have a couple wild cards, like two wild card teams from each thing or whatever. Hmm. Okay. All right. I just thought that would be, you know, like you said, change it, it up a little different. bit. It's it's different for sure. And you just this way you get the best 14 teams going to the playoffs that has nothing to do with division rank or, 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 or league, yeah. you know, anything like that. You literally just get the 14 best and it's going to be a sprint. You know, if they're playing 82 games or whatever it is, like you're just going to have to go. So, you know, 10 innings max, if you tie, throw that in the tie column. But then, like I said, the tiebreakers are runs allowed or runs scored uh, uh, against you to break those ties and, and to even the teams out. So that way, if you get, you know, six or seven teams that are all, you know, right around like 49 and 43 or whatever it would be, um, I guess that'd be 92 games. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, teams yeah. that, are, that are close or tied, then you can separate them that way so that uh, there's, there's some true uh, uh, ranking system there. Well, I get what you're saying. I get it. Uh, I think the NBA one was a little bit better than the baseball one. Okay, that's fair. The NBA one, there was a little more thought that went into it. The baseball one was kind of <laughs> just a spur of the moment. Jamie and I are sitting there talking about it over dinner, and I was like, yo, I think that would be a great idea. But, you know, I guess, uh, I guess we'll – just kind of put that one on the back burner. I kind of wish that they would have said, hey, if we're not whatever games, the MLB has an official simulation league, mm-hmm. and we will sim games until the season starts, and that's your record. Wow, that'd be unreal. Like, imagine that. Imagine you watching, the, you could stream the sim games. You'd still have something. You're just yelling at a computer that can't control it. You just pick your record up wherever it is. Say, hey, we'll stream till June, June 1st. And then we'll cut out the games in June or whatever. So there's more games you play than whatever the simulation is. But, yeah, imagine that. Or, I mean, well, honestly, what they could do is, because they're doing this already, is they have a lot of virtual reality training. Just go, go VR, baby. Just let these guys play it out VR style. So yeah. similar to what you're saying and similar to what they, you know, so that way it's not... 100% just a video game like MLB The Show or something. You yeah. just go virtual reality, so you're taking live hacks, you're throwing live pitches, and, and let it play out that way. You know, that, that, that could be something, uh, uh, too. And some of us are already uh, yelling at a computer screen or, or a computer simulation of, of people playing sports. So <laughs> Oh, we are? Well, yeah. We're, yeah, definitely. Tough one last night. Big, yeah, big time. But, hey, you know what? We're back for a Friday afternoon. Um and then, all right, what were your – do you want to do your quarantine questions now or you want to save them for next week? Uh, I'll save them for next week. But I got one question for you that I think is kind of funny because we've, we've been talking about it. We talk about watching TV shows and things like that. Um, I don't know about you, but has watching – so Jamie and I have been watching Breaking Bad, right? Uh, and so that was years and years ago, um, wrapped up in 2014, 2015, whenever it did. And so it's funny because we'll be watching it, and there's been a couple scenes where they go to take where they're drinking, uh, and whoever is drinking, somebody will grab the ice with their bare hand and throw it right in the cup, and then start pouring it. And I look at Jamie, I go, "Could you imagine if someone did that today?" Or like, you know, somebody like they went up and shook hands or like hugs. And I was like, "Do you remember shaking hands with people? Do you remember hugging?" It's just funny how the quarantine has kind of changed the way I look at things or watch things because of of. Uh, 
you know, of, of the coronavirus and, and things like that. So I don't know if that's ever happened, if that's happened to you yet, but that's definitely happened to me with everything I watched from the past. Well, the funniest thing about watching old shows is like seeing the phones. Oh, yeah. Like when they're on a Blackberry or a flip phone or something like that. Like the shaking the hands thing kind of happened like when I went to Caddy. Like you always like shake the person's hand before on the range. Yeah. And now it's like, hi, how you doing? Like, do you do the elbow tap thing or do you, what do you, like, what do you I'm do? I'm a big elbow tap guy. So am I, elbow tap. And also I think pounding the knucks are still good because it's like the outside of your hand. You just yeah. sanitize after. But right. I've also gone, people have given me the knocks and I've gone with the, with the elbow. <laughs> yeah. No, I have too. So done that there. I'm like, yeah, buddy, I'm going elbow. So, so after the round, after the round is elbow taps. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the handshake thing is one guy had his hand out. He's like, I don't care. And I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm doing the elbow thing. He kind of looked at me like, huh, seriously? And I was like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe in golf you should go to stick taps. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe do the shin the shin tap. You could yeah. shin tap or whatever. Something like that. So, so funny you mentioned that. I actually got shamed into a handshake on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, oh really? Yeah, big time shamed into a handshake. So uh, uh, I was actually leaving my baseball facilities. I had a, I had a couple lessons and I and I worked out there because we have a little weight room there. And so I'm leaving, but one of my players that's on my actual team was walking in um to uh to try on some uniform stuff so they can know what size they need to order and they're from salina so i kind of out in the country and so i stopped and said what's up to it was a dad and two players and one of them went out to shake my hand and i gave him the elbow and i said oh coronavirus you know kind of like jokingly and gave him the elbow and the dad goes oh yeah i guess people are still scared of that huh and i was like i was like whoa guy i said i mean yeah kind of people still are and then he's like, yeah, see, we live out in the country, so we aren't really worried about that uh, out there, We, uh, you know, things like that. And I was like, well, all righty then. And so I gave him the elbow. We, you know, we stood around, talked. They tried on their stuff or whatever. And then when they went to leave, went for another handshake. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to give it to them. Gave them a handshake. They left. There's literally hand sanitizer sitting right next to me. Pumped a couple squirts, rubbed it down. But I 100% got shamed into that handshake. So How about this? If you're in public, uh, last, this is the last thing before we go. And you sneeze, you just feel the eyes on you. Oh, big tough. And right, have you experienced that? I have because my allergies have been so at an all-time level. I was gonna say the same thing. Golf is one of the like I've been golfing a lot, but I've always been like maybe if my allergies have been so bad I shouldn't golf. I am now inclined to say that's an allergy sneeze, not a corona sneeze. Now yeah. that's kind of making fun of the situation. But I just would like people to know it is an al- I my allergies on the golf course are horrible. Right. And you know what's funny is like this year is probably the worst my allergies have been in Agreed. a long time. Agreed. And I, totally I don't know agree. if it's I don't know if it's because you know we've been inside more. Whereas at this point, you know, I've, in years past I've been outside baseball, whatever, and so I'm just kind of used to it a little bit more. But my allergies have been at an all-time high. I'll just walk out to let the dog out, and my eyes turn bloodshot. They're itchy, and yeah. uh, it. But no, I definitely ha- have felt that uh, big time. Or even just just a little like <coughs> cough, like you know, just a little something to get get it out of your throat. Like obviously, put the face right in the elbow. But as soon as you do that, you kind of look around like, you know. When I went to my parents' house last Sunday, I sneezed, 
and the look my mom gave me, you would have thought she found out I murdered somebody. <laughs> the eyes that I got from her were Diane. Oh, let me tell you, it just was disgust. There, my dad even was like, "Boy, the side eye on that was strong." <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, and I was like, "I'm washing my hands right now," and like, "Look, it's a my allergies, whatever." It was a strong, strong side eye. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's. it's I'm feel I'm right there with you, so I'm glad I'm glad I'm not the only one. Okay, all right, so that's gonna do it for us here for this show. We'll be back on Monday. We'll review the final two episodes of The Last Dance. Uh, we could touch on whatever sports happened this weekend. Um, oh, we'll get a dino. We'll get a KBO update. Yeah, on Monday. But uh, all I know is it's a hot week for the dinos this week. You know, I, I'm just gonna let I'm just gonna let the heroes do their thing. They do their talking on the field. Uh, there's a lot of hype on the dino train, but the Key Womb Heroes, you know, we're just going to keep chugging along. All right. We got walk-off magic this week. Multiple <laughs> of walk-off magic. All right. So that's going to do it for us here on The Short Thing on Friday, May 15th. We'll talk to you guys on Monday.